what's up roundtable listeners first of all i just want to apologize and say sorry for the long wait and gap between episodes i had some technical difficulties trying to record an episode and then some scheduling conflicts trying to line up some guests following um right now i got a really great show lined up for you guys here with jesse o'neill don't forget to like and share the episode also punch subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on to stay up to date with whatever episodes are coming out. Jesse, the Warden O'Neill. What's up, man? I'm glad uh, that you had some time that you could carve out tonight for me to come on to the show and um, spend a little time talking about fishing with me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. I uh, What's up? I appreciate you reaching out. I always, uh, I always get a good enjoyment out of these podcasts and stuff. Um, it's always good to hear different opinions and and talk strategy and stuff with different anglers. So everybody gets a gets a taste because you know there's always them questions of what does that guy do. <laughs> yep, yep. And I just, I just kind of wanted to have a place for you know our specific scene or whatever because there's really not any podcast specifically geared towards the kayak catfishing necessarily i mean there's been episodes out there here and there that have been you know um on other podcasts or shows but we don't have our actual own show so i thought i'd bring um something to the table and try to get you know anglers on from all across the state and we could kind of mix it up here yeah that's awesome I, i i think it's a great idea honestly you know i've had the enjoyment of being on a few different podcasts a few different youtube lives stuff like that. So actually having one focused to what we do or what I do, you know, it's, it's really great. You know, it's, it's great to focus in on this, you know, this kayak catfishing has become just a, a huge growing sport over the last three or four years. And I mean, we're con- consistently growing nationwide and you're seeing more and more guys targeting catfish out of kayaks. And I think it is, it is amazing to see where, where we was when all of this first started compared to where we're at now, you know, national trails and, you know, local state trails and stuff like that. It's a, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's definitely blown up. And I just, again, I just want to say thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule to come on tonight and talk with me. So to kind of start it off, do you want to like introduce yourself and, you know, let people know who you are, give yourself a little bit of background, you know, where you're from, where you live at currently and any other information you want people to know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, my name's Jesse O'Neill, um, a.k.a. The Warden from Rock Hill, South Carolina. That's where I live now. It's where I've been for the last 10, 12 years. Uh, I originally grew up fishing the banks of the Ohio River in southeastern Ohio. I grew up, that's where I cut my teeth in the catfishing world, um, fishing with family, growing up, you know, doing that weekend thing um, with relatives, stuff like that. And as I progressed over the years, you know, um, catfishing was always that thing that I, I just really enjoyed doing. Um, I've had the opportunity to fish, uh, I think we're up to 27 states for catfish now. So it's, it's been an ongoing adventure. Um, uh, I just absolutely love it. And then I started kayak fishing probably, probably about 11 years ago now. I really started getting into the kayak side of things. I enjoy, I just enjoyed being out there, being able to go up creeks and canals that you don't normally get to go in, in a boat unless you got a jet prop or something. And, and back then, you know, that really wasn't a source I had. I was fishing 
boat tournaments out of a 24 foot pontoon and had a couple other boat setups that, you know, I fish big boat events and stuff, but you know, the kayak always just kind of in, interests me more than, than the boat fishing. I just come to gr love it. Um, I got wretch out to a while back, um, uh, about a guy from a guy that was, uh, going to start a kayak catfishing trail series and start introducing it more and more nationwide and i kind of you know i kind of stepped back and i was like man you know i don't know if i'm ready to compete against other anglers out of a kayak nationwide at that time and then you know i was like you know what it'd be fun you know it's something i enjoy i'm a pretty decent cat fisherman i think and you know i was like you know it'd be fun to you know really cut your teeth on that and be able to fish against different guys and different rivers and different bodies of water really challenge what you know um and i started doing that and i mean it it was super successful for me i mean it's it's been a huge blessing the last last probably four years uh, as far as sponsor wise um now i'm running my own trail here in the carolinas um it's just a carolina focused eight event trail series that we're running here anybody from any state can join you know we're not we don't limit who can come fish with us if you're willing to make the drive to come come fish some trail events in the Carolinas. We have some of the, we rotate the lakes around, have some of the, some of the best catfishing lakes that we can throw at an angler, um, you know, from Lake Gaston in North Carolina, all the way down to Santee Cooper system in South Carolina. And, you know, that's kind of where this area is where I've really blossomed as an angler and have really learned the tactics that I use that help me, in my travels in different areas. I mean, this is a very, South Carolina is a big fish state and I mean, I absolutely love it down here. Both my P all of my PBs have actually come from South Carolina. Right on, man. That's awesome. I do have to ask, where did the nickname, the warden come from? A long time ago, <laughs> a long time ago, at jumping fences, the fine fishing holes. Uh, it was a name that got brought up um, in casual conversation and, you know, there was a few jokes, you know, I knew some of the local game wardens by, by first name and, and stuff like that. Nothing never bad, you know, just, it was just funny. It was, um, somebody had brought up one time, they're like, man, as much time as you, as you get busted for the stupidest things, like you could be the warden in a prison one day. And I, <laughs> I just started laughing. I was like, yep, that's it. The warden. And we just stuck. And I mean, it, it makes sense. It's like the warden of the, of the uh, kayak world now. Yeah. Just run oh, with it's it. It's all man. in fun. It's all in fun. Yeah, no, let it stick and run with it. I hear you. Um, so did you grow up fishing then? You said, you know, you started cutting your teeth back out in Ohio there. Were, were you pretty young growing up fishing with the family then? And was it more oh, yeah. so of a catch and release or did you guys catch catch to eat? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Um, I've been fishing since before I could walk. Uh, my family was a huge outdoors family. Um, hunting, fishing, all that. Um I was on boats, curled up in blankets before I could even walk. My dad and then would go out. We'd fish different lakes in Ohio and stuff. And then we'd go out and fish the Ohio River and, you know, do jug fishing and stuff like that. And it was a pretty 50-50, you know. A lot of it was just fun fishing, things that, you know, the family members had got together and fished together. And, you know, we'd keep some of the fish, you know. Not really so much catfish-wise as far as keeping fish, but, you know, walleye and crappie and stuff like that, you know, we – we kept them and, and we'd have little fish fries. But um, as I progressed in my angling over the years, I've pretty much just come uh, CPR now. I don't, I don't really like the texture of fish that much. 
and you know as being a catfisherman smelling that hot bait all day and then smell, walking <laughs> into somewhere where somebody's kept cooking fish oh man it makes my stomach churn I ain't gonna lie to you <laughs> no I'm just it's okay you know I like to ask the question because I kind of like to you know it's it gives a little bit of perspective about where people came from to where they're at now and you know yeah. how they fish and how they grew up and stuff like that it's pretty awesome that you had you know basically some generational knowledge be able to pass on to you through family and stuff like that you know not everybody's always that lucky to have that so that's pretty cool yeah I mean it was really great that we had that relationship with the water um and I had that. And over the years, I've worked with different groups. Um, I worked with the Shriners Club up here in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Last year, we did a huge um, pro. We did a huge program for fishing for um, unprivileged children. I guess how you want to say it. Uh, basically, kids that didn't have the opportunity to get out and have somebody teach them to fish. Um, the team that I run, Team Catnippers, is my personal team. Um, I have about five anglers that fish for me. And then I have a couple guys that are pretty much just hunt focused that are part of the team. And we all got together at the Shriners club up there on Lake Wiley. And we had, it was amazing, man. We got to teach kids that had probably never seen a fishing pole in their life. The only time they'd probably ever seen a fish in life was on TV. And I think just knowing where I come from and being able to give that back a little bit was, was huge. You know, um, and that's kind of where I, I like to be. I, I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of watching people catch fish just as much as I like catching fish. And I love catching catfish. <laughs> that's pretty amazing, man. That's awesome, you know, how it comes full circle like that. And it's pretty, you know, gracious of you to, you know, so pay it forward, so to speak. Um, yeah. You know, and kind of pass down some some skills and knowledge to some people that maybe, like you're saying, did, didn't wouldn't necessarily have the chance to learn that in the first place or even have put their hands on a fishing pole. Um, do you want to take a minute to talk about your club or organizations or trails that you fish with or represented at all or anything like that? Um, I mean, I got, like I said, I got the Carolina kayak catfish slayer. That's the trail that I run here in the Carolinas. Um, we run eight event trail series and I do some challenges, like some weekend challenges or every once in a while I'll throw a random month long for like the slower months or like the off months that we don't have an event. Are these all in-person tournaments too then or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All the live, all the live events are in person. Now, if I do a, a month long or like a 24 hour challenge, that's basically opens up both States. You can fish your, your comfortable water, but it still stays within the Carolinas. Okay. Right on. And then, uh, you said, what was the name of the club you said you represent too? Um, my team um, yeah your team sorry yeah sorry, my team. team is team catnippers um if you go on to a lot of my socials that's what a lot of my socials are under not like my instagram is team catnippers uh my tiktok is team catnippers uh we had a youtube channel that was a buddy of mine's that i fished on we kind of co-fished together and mm -hmm. he had changed it to team catnippers at one point but then he kind of got away from youtube and just changed it back to Mr. Fail Fishing. But there's a lot of Team Catnipper moments in there. So mm -hmm. you can go back and kind of see some of them kayak adventures we do, some of the kayak styles we do on Mr. Fail Fishing. Um, but, yeah, Team Catnippers has been um, a team name we've had for eight years now. And so is it, it just started, like a group? Sorry, yeah, my bad. A, no, 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 you're good. My bad. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a group of anglers. Um, me and uh, my best friend, my brother, had originally started on a kayaking trip 
And we started as a as a joke thing. It's like we need a team name, and we started laughing around, and, and we come up with Team Catnippers just because it sticks out, and I, I think it's great. No, you know, making awesome. the cat making the catfish crazy. You know, catnippers. Yeah. Uh, and we brought on um, a good friend of ours. We call Uncle James. We were the first three members, and then my wife and my brother's wife had got in on it too we brought them in as our lady anglers and outdoors ladies and now we got i think as far as personal members i think we're up to eight that we actually physically have on the team um and they all do something a little different um uncle james he's a big turkey guy loves turkey hunt uh he does a lot of fly tying and a lot of fly fishing so we kind of have him john's kind of that that multi-species guy you know my brother he he can target bass. He he's a he's a big panfish guy too. So he likes to target panfish and and stuff like that. Um, and then you know our wives they just do whatever we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty cool. It sounds like you guys got a pretty well-rounded uh, diversity in the outdoor world with all the content you can bring to the table with the team catnappers. So. Oh yeah, yeah, pretty awesome idea, man. Yeah, yeah it's, I love it's these myself. I, oh yeah, I, I'm I'm a, I'm big. I hunt turkeys pretty good myself. Uh, I haven't got to, I didn't get to go out this year, which kind of yeah, killed me. But it's been cutting into my catfishing over. bad, man. It's been, I haven't even hit the water yet. I'm actually waiting and might be getting after it first time this weekend or next week sometime. But it it definitely hurt my catfishing bite, especially down here in Nebraska. The springtime's really good for the the channel cat bite, and we have some pretty good oh, yeah. channel cats down here. And, yeah, y'all uh, grow big up there. Y'all yeah, grow big a, channels up there. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, springtime is my good channel time. But the last, you know, like it was a couple of years ago, I started, you know, dabbling with the turkey hunt and got into it. And it's kind of, you know, cut into my catfishing a little bit because it, it's a lot of fun. I love me some turkey hunting. But I, bl I blame the catfishing for cutting into my turkey hunting. There you go. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we only get what is it like? Uh, 50 some days of turkey hunting you know what I mean? we get we get a we we get a month for public land it's yeah. from april 1st to the end of april okay and then i think public land they open up a week later or a week earlier in a week later see i'm counting for, if you if you grab yourself for a public land's a month and then private they give you like an extra week or two hmm. That's but it's pretty short period you're only allowed th three birds right it used to be five i think in nebraska that changes to two this year because of the yeah. whole, you know, the whole population conundrum going yeah. on and everything. But anyways, more back to catfishing here. You know, yeah, turkeys yeah. cutting into the, See, like I said, them turkeys <laughs> cut way into the catfishing. And it's, it's just like having a conversation on my porch, man. It's this how it flip-flops around. Yeah, I know. No, I mean, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we could take it down whatever rabbit hole we want. I, I, you know, eventually, I don't have a lot of places here in Nebraska that I can access on the hunting side of things with the kayak. Yeah. But if I had found some places, I would love to take my kayak in and, and go and get some turkeys or some deer with my yeah, kayak. We, it's just, we don't have, a we lot. have a few, we have a few that you can yeah. access with a kayak or a small boat or something, but it's, it's very few and far between. And the bad thing is, is them the get to them spots or go over some of my best catfishing spots. And I know what I'd be doing. First, first oh. roll in the first roll in that shallow water. I see. I yep. forget what I was doing. And said, no more turkey. That turkey hunt just turned into a catfish trip pretty quick. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of, of, you know, the kayak and stuff, what rig are you floating out of? Um, I fish out of a Native Slayer 13 Propel. Okay. Um, I have it. It's a pedal drive, and I also have a custom trolling motor that drops right where my pedal drive goes. 
So I can run a trolling motor if I want to. Um, but I mostly pedal for the most part. Um, the river that I spend the majority of my time in, I, I don't even really, I paddle it more than I do anything. Um, that boat tracks very well. Uh, it's super stable. I, I love it. It's I wish I had a little bit more storage room or just a little bit more room in general, especially with some of the bigger cats. But as far as stability and fishability, I mean, it's it's an amazing boat. What is it? What do you got? It. What does it weigh right now with how you have it set up? Uh, I would say with with the 50 amp hour, hour battery in there for the trolling motor and the trolling motor on there, I would say a jerk is probably about 160 pounds. Yeah, do you do all the with gear? all the catfishing, with all the catfishing gear and everything in there? I'd say probably about 160 completely loaded down. Yeah, but you got Easy. pretty. Do you have pretty good access then uh, to get to your spots? So you have to kind of haul a good ways. Um, no, I can. I mean, I can. Uh, the The river system I fish, the Catawba River system, is what it's called. Um, most of the spots I fish out of there, I can drop lines within 10 feet of the boat ramp and be on you know, 30 to 40 inch catfish pretty quick. Um, the areas I get to that I tend to focus on, it's a little bit of a haul to get to them, depending on which ones I want to fish or how deep a water, because it's a very shallow river. Um, I think the, like the deepest parts are near a dam somewhere, but for the majority of the river, you're running anywhere from six inches to your deepest spots being like 20 to 25 foot. That's it. And in 25 to them 20 to 25 foot spots are few and far between. So it's a lot of shallow water all year round. I can relate to that. We got a we got a river a couple river systems up here uh like that that pretty much you can't uh, we we wouldn't be able to roll, you know, run a trolling motor or pedal drive or anything like that because you know if you ain't paying attention to that main currency, you're about to get uh <laughs> caught up in a sandbank and, and dragging yourself in the middle of the river. So yeah, these are the, there's boulders the size of houses in this river, oh, and okay. they'll come up on you quick. So if you're not paying attention, and that water level drops, you're I mean you go from sitting in like three foot of water to being in six inches in a heartbeat if that yeah. water cuts off on you. So you, I mean you got to pay a little bit of attention where you're at, and yeah. that's why I, we usually will just float it. Uh, we'll take two vehicles, we'll launch at the top side and take out at the bottom at the bottom half somewhere. Um, and just spend the day out there, you know, paddling around, you know, we do a lot of free line drifting on that, on that moving water. Um, it's very successful. Like no, water. no weight, no nothing, just free line no drifting it. Yep. Yep. That's one. I'll tell you right now, if you have a river system that you fish and you're not very good at anchoring, you can what's, be. What's the speeds like in that river? Cause I don't know in the river that I have to deal with the, the speed of the water I don't know if free lining would work for me so much because it would just keep the bait. It would keep that bait on the top of the water the whole time because it's flowing so fast. I mean, it's pretty quick depending on where you're at, um, okay. depending on the water flow. Um, the trick for that is heavier gauge hook. I don't use lighter wire hooks for that. I'll use like yeah. a heavier gauge hook. Like I fish for Nocturnal Nation. So like I'll use like their bigger Eclipse or something a little meatier. Okay. Um, and what we'll do is we'll throw in front of the kayak and we'll just let the kayak float and let that bait float down. And once it gets to a point past behind you and it hasn't been picked up and it starts to raise up on that surface level, we'll just reel it in real fast and just trying to chuck it back out there. Your casts are probably 10, 12 feet off the nose of the kayak most of the time. Like you're really not throwing it out that far with it being so shallow. Um, 
all you're trying to do is just let that bait naturally fall for a few seconds. And usually within minutes, it's being picked up by something. So on those stretches, are you guys covering a good amount of distance, like a bunch of miles then to get down to that bottom spot where you're pulling out? Or, or is it just like a... It depends on which part you put in and take out. Like we have some that's like about two and a half mile stretch between ramps. Um, the stretch we fish regularly, we call the back stretch. Um, it's about seven and a half miles of river that you take in. It's only probably 15 minutes from boat ramp to boat ramp, but I mean, it takes you a good day because the way yeah. the river twists around. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're covering about seven and a half miles. There's a couple like deeper pockets on that stretch. So we'll anchor up in them and fish them a little bit. But when we're moving water and we're in them real shallow two to three foot, like I said, we freeline down through them two to three foot water levels. And I mean, I've caught 80 pound fish out of two foot of water, um, 40s, 50s all day long. You catch a lot of, uh, you know, you catch a lot of 12 to 20 pound fish just freelining that river on regular. I mean, you'll catch more 10 pound fish and you know what to do with, like you'll get tired of just throwing them off the hook at one point <laughs> and it don't take long either. And half the time it's clear and you can so actually you, watch them. You come say up that, but hit. I hope for those days, man. I hope for those days. <laughs> Look, it's all fun. I love them days when I'm not trying to score fish. It's when I'm yeah, trying to okay. score fish and I can't get nothing up and I'm catching like the 28, updates. 29, 28, 29, yeah. 28, 29. It's like, oh, it's man. like it's the upgrades and you're not in a slot tournament, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you're in a slot tournament, you love them days. Yeah. Because oh. you're just, you, you can slot yourself out quick. But when you're uh, in them month long situations, like them trophy month long, they start to wear on you because you're like, man, it's like all these little fish are just tearing the crap out of my bait trying to get to these bigger fish. And you sometimes you'll see the bigger fish laying out there too because it's so shallow. So you'll man, see them sitting in the front. And it's like, man, like I've sight fished probably two or three 40 pound fish out there, just throwing a free line right up front, right above them and just letting it fall back into them. And they'll just grab it and sit there. That's pretty cool, man. That'd be a pretty fun experience. I don't know. I mean, I've sight fished some channels, but no, never have I sight fished any blues or, or flyheads before. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's primarily blues out there. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have more blues than we have have anything the flathead population over the last few years has really has really blew up and we're seeing a lot more flatheads caught out of areas that you don't normally see flatheads or there for a while you wasn't seeing any um i'm not sure i'm not exactly sure if that was due to overfishing or what but there for a long time as you've seen a flathead you know they were decent you know you catch your one random 30 40 pounder um but most of the time they were real small now over the course of the last few years i have seen some massive flatheads being caught it's a matter of time i think before that river produces um a new state record before santee does hmm. i can i can see it coming out of there i mean yes. i was pretty close i was pretty close to it with a blue catfish this year yeah out of that same river wow man that's gotta be well we'll get we'll get we'll get to that a little bit here in a second um so other than that native slayer what have you uh fished out of any other kayaks before yeah, yeah, I've fished out of, um, let's see, I've had a couple of Hobies back, the older Hobies. Uh, I've had a couple old towns. I had a vibe once. I mean, I've went through, uh, I've went through a couple different kayaks before I found what I wanted. I got a great deal on a native, and that's kind of where I landed in it. 
And then I bought it right before my son was born too. So it was like my one last big hoorah before he was born. Um, but I've tried out a lot of kayaks. I fished out of a Jackson big rig for a long time and I love that kayak. But as far as a lake fisherman, I hated that kayak <laughs> without a trolling motor back then. When I was, a, when I first started lake fishing out of that big rig, man, that thing would kill me trying to paddle that jerker around, especially the wind picked up. You might as well just say, forget it and let it blow you wherever it wants you to go. Mm. But, um, once I got in that native pedal drive, like it, that was pretty much it for me. I was like, this is where I'm going. It's either a trolling motor or beyond from here. Yeah. Um, I could never go back to just straight paddling anything. And so, well, like, like you said, if it wasn't for the shallow water, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I want to get one eventually here, especially this year. I'm going to be running a lot of tandem setups. So I'll have a whole, whole extra person on my kayak with me the, the whole time. So, I'm yeah. what, are, I, what are you fishing out of now? So I fish out of the Unlimited. I got an Unlimited last season for my first. How do you like it season. so far? Oh, I love the Unlimited, man. Like I've been looking. I, I've been looking at. I have a guy that's going to hook me up. That has me hooked up with a Frontier Twelve, but I got to sell my kayak first. See, the F Twelve is pretty nice too, though. The F Twelve and the Unlimited are very close, and and each one has its you know positives and, and negatives or whatever. And actually, Ryan was saying that. Um, in a post that we had made or whatever, he's he he suggested I maybe do a, a a show specifically about the unlimited and F12s and the very specific differences because yeah. it seems nowadays a lot more guys are moving to towards the new canoes, you know, especially for what we do, our big fish, yeah. you know, fishing and stuff like yeah. that. And um, you know, it's obviously an argument and debate from all the guys out there, and I I never necessarily what like telling people that this is the best whatever out there even though i personally think hands down it's probably the best across all you know all stages for everything you need to do it's the most customizable there's a lot of things that make it i think make it the best or whatever but i i think personally when it comes to like people asking what is the best kayak out there what's the best brand you know because that's a hard question when people especially getting into the kayak fishing and try uh really being attracted to the cat fishing like well, what what should i get into and it's like I don't necessarily want to tell anybody specifically go get this kayak and this, this, whatever, you know, specific name stuff. I, I like to tell them to try to go and, you know, try out and paddle as many different vessels as you can and find what you need because that vibe is not the good vessel is not a, I wouldn't say it's a good vessel, but that's because it didn't work for what I needed it to do and what I wanted to do. But that doesn't mean that for your situation, what you like to fish, the waters that you fish and, and how you run, you know, the gear that you run and, what you bring, you know, all, everything comes into a factor and it, it might end up being the best kayak that's out there. That unlimited might not fit your needs. So that's why I don't necessarily like to say hands down, but I honestly, I think there really isn't too much better than the new canoe F12 or new canoe unlimited um, yeah. when it comes to the catfishing. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. As far as the catfishing side of things go, um, and as many different boats that I have had the opportunity to try and be in, you know, I got to be in a PA 14. I've actually had two people in a PA 14 on Santee just to just joking around. And, you know, we tied our kayaks up together. I climbed from my native into his PA. He climbed from his PA into my native and we kind of tested them out. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that Mirage drive. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a trick knee or what, but I have a hard time getting that them fins to get to the speed I want. And, you know, with the native, it's like a bicycle. It's full circle. 
Um, it's kind of like, you know, some of the other drives out there, you know, it's full circle. I can just get pedaling. I can stop and back up. I don't have to pull anything. I don't have to do nothing fancy to, to pedal backwards if I need to get out of a sticky situation. Uh, but I definitely think when it comes to kayaks and people looking into getting a kayak, they're, they're new to this. You know, one thing you got to look for is what kind of fishing do you plan on doing with it as far as catfishing? Are you a flat water guy? Are you, um, are you a river fisherman? Are you, you know, um, backwaters, you know, everything, everything depends on what you do. You got to find you a versatile vessel that's going to work personally for what you do. How much gear you plan on carrying, you know, do you like to do, you know, like we like to do river trips, we camp along the river. Mm -hmm. So you're loading your boats down, you know, you have to make sure that anything you do, you have a, uh, a boat, get out of here, mosquito, a boat, uh, suitable for what you're going to do. Um, you know, flat water, I think that native, as long as the wind don't pick up and the waves get big, I mean, I could outrun Hobies with it. You know, I can get, I can pedal my butt off and get that native out to about five and a half, six mile an hour and hold it. You'll be tired after about a hundred yards, but you can get it up there on a on a launch, and you can really get ahead of people. But when the waves pick up and you start getting them three or four foot rollers, you're wet, you're soaked. That native is bad; it does not take on waves very well. If you hit it nose on, all that water comes straight over the nose, right onto your feet. How's the drainage um, system in the native? There is two, four, six, eight, nine scupper holes that you can pull um in the summertime i do not i unless i'm fishing shallow water i pull the scupper plugs for that simple reason you know i like to fish santee you know it's part of my trail stop santee has a nasty reputation of being some of the worst weather conditions that you can fish out of and i learned the hard way do not fish with your scupper plugs in on santee because that native does not drain if them scupper plugs are in there you fill up with about you know four and a half inches of water before you even know what happened. Um, I ran into that at our last live event uh, up at Lake Gaston. Um, weather kind of altered the event. We decided to push forward, start an earlier launch instead of rescheduling because most of the people that were going to fish it were already there. We decided to um, do an earlier launch, early takeout. We were almost back to the boat ramp and the bottom fell out. I'm talking it rained so hard you couldn't see the kayak in front of you. By the time I could get to my bilge pump to kick it on, I had already had it about three inches up my boots. And, I mean, it's a scary situation when you start getting that much water in that boat because that that's, the native's pretty narrow, so it shakes a lot. And when you got that extra water weight in there, it wants to throw you around pretty quick. So, I mean, I was in a flurry trying to get them, get them scupper plugs pulled and get that bilge pumping so that way I can keep the water off of me and, and get out of there before the rain got any worse. And I mean, it rained hard for about 20 minutes straight to where it, they were calling for flash floods by the time we were all off the water. So and, everybody made it off okay, though? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Most, like I said, we were, about, we were about 150 yards probably from the boat ramp when it really, when it really came down. So everybody got off good. Um, everybody was safe. The one guy that was fishing on the other side of the lake, he didn't even get wet. He didn't get wet till it came to weigh-ins and it rained at the weigh-in. I was like, you lucky dog. I got soaked. I had to go through two rain jackets just to get my boat loaded. Oh, man. 
But hey, that, those those experiences make the fun funnest stories, though. Oh yeah, oh yeah, like them thirty five mile an hour uh, Santee days that we've had. Yeah. They're more, so, them are always the best. Um, as far as species wise goes, what's your favorite one to target out of the kayak? Um, for catfish species, let's say. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going, if I'm going to go out there and I'm going to target one specifically, I'm going after flatheads. I know that is like I think every catfishman I've ever met, and every everything I've ever been on, I think everybody says the same thing, and I think it's just the fight and the amount of work that you have to put in a lot of time to catch flatheads. I respect flatheads. I love them to death. They are pound per pound probably besides the channel cat. Flatheads are pound per pound the hardest fish to reel in. Um, blues, I'll I target them when I need the numbers because we have a lot of them. But the flatheads are outnumbered in their body of water. So mm-hmm. I just love to go out there and target them with live bait. Um, you know, I do a lot of floats and suspended over brush piles. <laughs> and then we have a lot of rocks. Like I was saying before, we have a lot of rocks in that river. So you can get on a rock pile and actually fish below it and catch good flatheads off of there. But, man, I think if I'm going to target one species that's going to drive me mad, that would be a flathead. For sure. Hands down. Right on. Um. So what, what's your favorite bait to use then if you're if you're going out to target flatheads? Live bluegill, man. Live bluegills. Live, or far as southern folk, brim. The brim. brim. Okay. The brim. You got to get the brim. Uh, no, I'll go catch them fresh live greenies and the big sunfish down here. Mm-hmm. Or some sometimes I'll get into some of the big shell crackers and I'll take a whole shell cracker and throw out there live, hooked right in the upper back. And is shell right cracker like one of them creek creek suckers or something like that? No, it's a it's a, it's like a species of bluegill. Okay, it's bigger. They're bigger, a little bit. They're a little bit meatier, a little bit bigger, different color pateration pateration. Mm-hmm. Um, but they bleed good, so I like putting them down there in front of those big log jams and out there behind them rock piles and stuff, and let them do all the work for me and target yeah. them flatheads. Um. I had one of my best flathead days this year in January. Um, it was actually the same day I caught my my new PB for Blue Cat. I caught a bunch of flatheads in cold water, and I would have never thought I was going to do it. And I actually caught all of them on cut white perch. Mm. I Mark, went. You think, to, you think it was just like a time of year thing then? I don't. They were just feeding, I guess. I mean, that day when I sat behind that, when I set up where I sat and I was fishing the hole, I was I was fishing in. And they were cut Every, or they were live? They were cut. Oh. Yeah, I was using cut perch. I was using flays, and then I was using the heads. And I just don't know why, but that particular day, that hole was just active. The fish finder looked like X's, and a lot of them was catfish. They were coming off the bottom. They were feeding heavy, and it was like a warm It was like a warm spell we had in January down here. I mean, it doesn't get super cold. It's not Nebraska cold down here, but, <laughs> you know, um, we had had a few cold fronts push through and we got down into the single digits there for a couple of days, but then we went right back into like 50, 60 degree days. And it was like, when we had that first few week of warm spell, then fish just turned on. I mean, it was, it, and I took some fresh white perch that I had just caught uh, the weekend before. And some of them I brought back live. Some of them I brought back and just froze them. And most of them died out throughout the week. Cause I don't have a good, system here for bait yet uh so i just packed vacuum sealed them and, and fresh froze them 
and everything down there was just tearing it up. But like I said, I caught so many flatheads that day, big ones, little ones. I think I caught two that was 44 inches, uh, three or four 40 inch blue or flatheads, and then a bunch between 18 and 25 inches. But they were just eating. I mean, that's I a fun know. day, man. That's a they uh, wore me out. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing day. So, what are the PVs then out of the kayak for each of the species for all three of them? You said the the flathead came that day, or whatever. Uh, the blue the blue cat came that day. Oh, okay. my PB my PB blue cat is 109 pounds. Um, in a kayak. Year, in a kayak this oh. year on TikTok Live. Oh man. Hooked it on TikTok Live, and it was so glitchy, nobody knew what was going on. <laughs> except for I was, like, cussing and screaming because I, I was anchored up when I caught him. Um, a 109-pound blue cat this year. Um, my PB flathead is 75.6, and then I caught my PB channel last year um, fishing a live event, the last live event of the season last year, and it was 25 pounds. And those going to be some tough PBs to break, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's my second blue cat over 100 pounds that I've Man, ever got. That's incredible. And that's the that's first one I've ever had fully documented. Uh, the other one, the pictures of that phone are somewhere in that river. <laughs> if anybody ever recovers that phone, I just want a couple of the pictures off of it. That, that's it. But that phone's been out there for so long. Yeah, it's probably Tyler's time. Oh, yeah, it's buried somewhere in log jam under some some sediment. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Um, it was pretty so interesting. To catch that you fish, actually man. you actually weighing them, or is this based off of uh, length girth measurements? Um, based off of length and girth measurements. Okay. I was just saying it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a hard deal to try to uh, get a, an accurate you know so weight on I the took, kayak. Yeah, so I took that fish to the bank. I wasn't too far from the bank when I caught it, so I yeah. took it to the bank. Um, I got a few measurement readings off of it, and then I had the only scale I had at that time was a ninety nine pound scale. And when I tried to pick the fish up with it, it broke the scale. Like the the little little hook thing just popped off. So after that, I was personally sent a hundred and fifty pound scale because somebody wanted to wanted didn't believe me and wanted to wanted right. to see the actual numbers one day. Which you you deal with that over time. But oh no, uh, yeah, every every fish that you know you post, there's the the keyboard warriors. So oh yeah, you know. It don't I'm matter caught, though. I've you caught, know what happened. I've caught bigger, but I can't prove it. You know, them they're my favorite people. Yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, like I said, it was overall length was uh 55 and three quarter inches. Um, and then it was really girthy fish. So I mean, if you go back and look at the pictures that like I posted and some of the video clips that I posted of that fish, I mean, that is like the girthiest fish I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, that thing is so so fat. You definitely tell them fish was up there eating good, though. Mm. Sound like it. How long was the fight for? Uh, Probably about 15, 20 minutes. I mean, he really didn't take me that long. And that's why, like, during the live feed, I kept telling everybody in the live feed when it was happening, I was like, you know, I'm really not sure how big this fish is. I said, I know he's over 60 or 70. Right. That's all I kept saying. And, like, I turned around in the seat of the kayak because, like, when I first started reeling down, I had to reach behind me because it come on the rod behind me. So I was up on the seat at one point trying to get leverage on it. I'm like, man, I can't gain on this fish, y'all. I said, I know there's a good current pool, but I was like, man, I can't gain on him. And uh, sometimes them river fish trick you, though. They get up in yeah. that current and they start taking, you know, they just let their dead weight go. And then you're like, man, it's, it's the biggest one. <laughs> 
Dude, them them ones will embarrass you too, boy, because you'll be like, "Oh my god, I got a big, I got the biggest fish I've ever hooked." And you get it up, and it's like twelve pounds, and everybody's looking at you like, "Man, you fought that fish for a long time for a twelve pound fish, bro." Yeah. <laughs> like you're supposed to be an elite guy. Look said, at my you, gear, bro. my gear is strong. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, like I said, it it took me a good, you know, probably fifteen seven minutes to get him in. I don't know exact time frame. My adrenaline was pumping so hard. Um, you know, I don't use a net either. Um, I know a lot of guys do, and a, a lot of people try to push that net thing. Being a river fisherman, I don't use a net. Uh, I learned the hard way a couple times, and I really don't, <laughs> I really don't trust myself with a net. Now, on open flat water lakes where I have a lot more control, I will. But let's just say I landed that fish, no net with just fish grips, tangled and everything. I was kind of glad that my live feed was lagging because the first three attempts I tried to get that fish in the boat, I couldn't get it in the boat. So finally, like I I'm like looking around, I'm like talking to the camera. Like it's still like, I didn't even know it was lagging. Yeah. And uh, I'm like talking to the camera. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm out here by myself. Like I don't have like, um, one of, one of my favorite river rivals in the world was like four miles below me, uh, Ronnie Poland. Um, and I'm sitting there on live feed. I'm like, Ronnie, if you're watching, please come help me. And, uh, you know, <laughs> laughing and stuff. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, finally I just kind of got its head up on the side of the gun wall of the kayak and just literally just laid back. Like I just laid back and put my weight and my leg up underneath of it and just flopped it into the kayak. And that's when reality hit me of how big this fish is. Like I'm looking at my kayak as almost taking on water i'm like this is not good i'm still anchored up in the current and i'm trying to figure out what to do i'm like i might lose my anchor so i'm telling the camera this and like all this catching is uh, my uh, uh, anger uh, and everybody's like what's going on that's a monster that's a monster like i can see some of the like feed popping up and i'm like so finally i had to straddle the fish get up to the nose of the kayak pulled the anchor got the anchor up and i started looking for a bank and there was a little cut shoal uh, where there was a, a feeder creek and it was actually out of the current enough that I could come up around, get up in that feeder creek. And I just bottomed out my trolling motor to get up in there and just bailed out knee deep of water in January. And was like, chaos, okay, man, just we're, 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 I'm landing this fish. I'm getting uh, this fish recorded, man. It was, it was, it was spectacular. I, I wouldn't trade it for nothing. No, nah, nothing can top that, man. That's what, you know, that's, it's an awesome story, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's an awesome fish to catch, man. I wish I would have had somebody with me to just experience it with me, but yeah, you know, that's the luck of the draw. Sometimes I do a lot of solo fishing, and um, you know, I, I that's one of them times that I'm like, man, I should really start bringing somebody with me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then I do this too much by myself. Yeah. I knew that day was coming. Shit, I want to see a hundred pound fish. Boy, hey, we, might, we might be able to do it this year. I'm gonna try. I'm still gonna, you know, I'm gonna get after it. But yeah, I'm I mean, a long, I'm a long ways from a hundred right now. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I'm sitting there like my PB is only like high seventies, maybe like if I'm, you know, I don't, I don't think it was in the eighties, but I don't know, you know. I was real generous with my measuring because I didn't want the keyboard warriors to come after me too bad. So I, I kind of so cut myself on some inches there. When I did, my I, I I ain't gonna lie to you. I 
did the same with that 109. 109 is what I'm calling the fish. Exactly. According to what what the recreation measurements was, yeah. I'm not even going to say it because I don't want to get attacked. Yeah. And I don't want to deal with it. But let's just say that if I wasn't so damn stubborn, I'd probably be the first kayak state record holder from South yeah. Carolina to catch a fish. Yeah. Hey, that's all right though, man. Honestly, though, if he, you know, that fish, I'm assuming, got released healthy and everything like oh, that, yeah. got to yeah. live. You know, especially if it was did did that fish happen to come during any tournaments or anything like that? No, I didn't oh. sign up for. I was gonna sign up for. Uh, so I fish a lot of the. Uh, it's fishing unleashed. Um, Dan Shiza. Yep. Ru uh, runs it. It's an online event for boat, bank, and kayak. Well, he had actually had just reached out to me that he was gonna do a year long big fish. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I probably won't sign up for that because my chances of catching a fish to the top of these guys is, you know, pretty slim. You know, I catch a lot of fish between 42 to 48 inches. Don't get me wrong throughout a season. But really break that, you know, it comes once in a while. Well, and then I they, you know, people have to keep in mind, they might not, you know, listening to this yet to keep in mind that the Fishing Unleashed tournaments are nationwide. Yeah, so he's no. not talking about only fishing against people in his, you know, in his own bodies of water at home lakes and stuff. It's he's fishing against everybody in the United States that wants to fish off a bank, a boat, or a kayak. So yeah, and a and a lot of them fish the James River in Virginia. I mean, you're fishing against a pretty decent amount of of Virginia anglers, um, and then you got you got that old river rival of mine down here. He. Him and his old lady find good fish. Yeah, he, he's been on some good ones yet this year. I was supposed to have a, a a show, so I've been trying to get him on for a little while. So hopefully we can get that one done here pretty soon. But, yeah. Um, um, other than the crazy is, I talked about that fish and be like, oh, I don't, I don't ever, I catch maybe one fish over fifty inches every once in a while, and uh, that following weekend he had actually met me out there that more the following weekend in the morning. And as soon as he had got up beside me, I hooked a 50-inch fish the next weekend out in the same spot, hooked a 50-inch yeah. fish. And I'm like, man, this is this is a gold mine. I was yeah. like, I think we just got a gold mine. And him and Tina has been fishing, I think, the same area. And they caught a 52 and a 48 out of there. They, I mean, they've yeah. been killing. Yeah, so, I mean, we're in a very healthy ecosystem. We have a very healthy, healthy yeah. river system. Well, can you believe that I caught two fifties within twenty minutes of each other last year? Oh, please, please do explain. I like that. That's uh, those those were my PBs. One is my um profile picture there, and actually the profile picture, the pictures don't really work right because the the smaller one looks bigger in the picture than the bigger yeah. one did. Um, the bigger one I actually couldn't get over my shoulder. The you know the first one hooked up. I caught, I was fishing in a tournament as a best of five. I used to run a, um, a local scene here this, this year, we kind of took a break from it, but, um, we were in a tournament for that and I showed up to fish with some buddies on, on some water and, you know, he, he'd been kind of scoping this area out or whatever. And he told me about it. And, and then, you know, I told him, I, he, he'd explained this area to me and I told you know, I was very excited about a specific area. And I showed up and we went to go fish it or whatever. And we both get in the spot and between the two of us, I think we caught like seven fish within like an hour or 45 minutes. And it was, and all of it, I think the smallest one was my flathead, which was like 30 some inches, like 32 or 33 inches. 
And other than that, we I had like a 30 pound blue and then those other two blues that came within. So the first one hit and my rod loaded up, everything happened. And like, I catch this first fish is like 52 inches or something. I can't even remember the numbers right at this moment, but I catch that fish. And I'm just like, I, it hadn't even like really sunk in it. I've never even caught nothing even close to that up to that point. And this fish is, you know, uh, by the measurement and stuff, it ended up being like, I think 68 pounds. If I'm, you know, like I said, I gave, gave myself a little uh, room there on the, on the lower end side, but with the measurements, I think it ended up being around 68 pounds. And I caught that fish. I'm in a tournament. I measured the fish. That's my first tournament, my first fish of the tournament within the first hour of starting the tournament. <laughs> um, and it's a 48 hour tournament and so I get that fish I let it go within a couple minutes I get that blue that comes in that's like a 30 pound blue which would have been my PB had I not just caught this freaking 68 pound blue and uh that you know everything is happening so fast that it's not even like really setting in for me like it and I'm still shaking I just let this you know 68 pound blue go I'm trying to process everything. My muscles are burning. I'm shaking. And then my rod loads up again, Com like completely <laughs> buries again from the exact same spot. And I'm like, right. Oh my God, I, I picked that one up and it's even bigger. Like it started, it does it. That's twice as long of a fight. The swirls are ridiculous. And it's like, it's another fish easily over 50 inches. I have no clue how big it is at this point, but yeah, you know, like I, and I get that fish in, I and I pull him up on the kayak, and then I'm trying to get him over the shoulder to have my hero shots. Luckily, I had a buddy with me, Chris Roundback. He was with me, and he was able to take some videos and some pictures for me on the hero shot side of it and stuff. Because I, you know, I was able to take the pictures on my board, which was also a bit of a challenge. The fish were so freaking big, they just didn't fit on the board, and you had to be so far away from them to get the whole picture. Oh, yeah. You got to stand up and like, I got but, the galaxy so I can like, like zoom it out. So that's usually what I have to do with any fish over 40 is I got to sit there and zoom it out and then hold it just right and hope my, uh, well, my fish up. almost slid off the board, man. It almost, oh, Lord, because I, I was like up. standing up to try to take the picture. It had grippers <laughs> in his mouth and everything. And I'm like taking the picture and I look down and he's like sliding off the board. <laughs> but no, I, I got him. Up. And uh, I ended up only catching four fish for the whole time within those 45 minutes to an hour. I caught all, four of my five fish and I could not pick up a fifth kicker for, to save my life. And Justin yeah. Weirich came in and still beat me for that tournament, dude. And he only had like an hour to fish. He, he had to work during the whole tournament and he had like a couple hours. He got off work and fished for like a couple hours on the second night and freaking beat me because he was able to pick up all five. And I couldn't pick up. And then by the time I got off the water from that tournament, like on that specific stretch, I was trying to hold out and catch all five there. And then I, when I finally got off the water, it's an, it's a statewide. So I could have technically gone somewhere else to fish, but I was like literally falling asleep behind the wheel. So I couldn't even go to a lake to catch my fifth, yeah. like 20 inch channel that would have won the tournament for me. But. Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar with those feelings of getting beat in last minutes, man. It, yeah. It, it's nerve wracking. See, and the way we run events, you know, with the live events, we don't use the apps for the live events. Um, we've kind of stepped back from the apps because one thing we run into here is it doesn't matter who you have as a cell phone provider, like Santee, Watery, um, some of Kerr and Gaston, the cell phone reception is terrible. So using the app um, to do live events for us has been a struggle the last few years. Um, we did it. We did it the first year with the app and it come down to where there was some anglers that were, you know, genuinely upset and you had the right to be because, you know, they catch a fish that would put them in the money 
and they can't get it uploaded in time. And you know, we're so just how like did any you guys other. remedy that then. Um, so what we started doing was uh, uh, live weigh-ins to where you your phone is the app at that point. You bring your three fish to the weigh-in um, that you want scored, and you show the judge right there at the table the three fish um, that you want to be scored for your to for your overall. And so that, instead those of are photos on your phone, then or like yeah. Yeah, just they like have you to would have time stamps just, and like location yep. stamps and all that. Yep, yep, okay. yep, yep. We're we're very keen on that. We we push that issue um, a lot. Uh, we haven't had any issues with it at all. You know, it's kind of that old school thing. When I first started kayak fishing events, this is that's how it was. Um, even the bass events back then, it was you know when I first started getting into the kayak stuff, it was you know there was a a pre app kind of screen that we did it was before tourney x it was before fishing chaos um that's what a lot of like the local groups and local clubs did is you you were given the identifier either the morning of and um or you were always given the identifier the morning of instead of the night before so you didn't have an opportunity to go out and you know maybe harbor a couple fish because you don't have that identifier until then and you know we really push the time stamp and stuff when our judges check the fish you know myself or my wife is the judge at most of the events and then we have a co-judge um which is also another female angler that fishes some of our events um they know what they're looking for because they they've done it you know they score fish they you know they know what they're looking for we check your time stamp we check your location if there's a questionable on a fish you know, it's called out right there amongst the anglers. We don't broadcast that there's a challenge. We do it right there off to the side and be like, hey, you know, I become an, I go from an angler to a judge at that point and then, you know, to a tournament director at that point. I'm not, I'm not in it to, to push anybody out to better myself. You know, I'm doing it for the sport and for the event. Um, my fish become irrelevant at that point. And we focus on what's going on with this fish. Why is there no kayak in the picture? Or why is your timestamp not match up for the time that you're telling me you're on the water? But luckily, we haven't really run into that. Um, yeah. You know, it's just like anything. It's kind of comes down to pure faith yeah. um, in people. Good faith and, and, you know, good yeah. camaraderie between the sport yeah. and the people, and you know. And I feel like we got it. And we it's like the nationwide a... things too, man. And you know, you, you have you don't know what somebody's doing three states away from you fishing. If they're fishing legal water, if they're fishing illegal water, you, you don't know when they're submitting fish. Yeah. I mean, as a judge, you you'll know because you get to see pim drops and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many alters that you can do now on phones. You have to be very specific when you're looking at stuff. And yeah. luckily, the camaraderie we have with this event, we haven't run into that. Thank God. Hopefully we never do. I'd like to think it's pretty well rounded in the kayak catfishing community, man, because even the group that I, you know, that when I was running my, you know, the small scene that I have is a pretty, you know, it stayed local. I didn't run any national stuff like that. So we had a small group of local guys that, you know, typically were for the most part were the same group of guys that kind of signed up. We would have, you know, new guys here and there and, and some outliers and stuff like that. But, you know, for the most part, we had a pretty good group of guys that, you know, 
I knew pretty much personally all of them and everything yeah. like that. We all are all buddies, you know, the trash talking, the, you know, everything that comes along. Man, with you, sound, you sound just like our trail then, man. That's kind of yeah. how we are too. Um, this year's been a little bit slower, but that's exactly how we are. We we break we cook for each other at the campgrounds. We usually all stay together. You know, we either meet up the night before or the night after at the campground and ha- at some of the lakes if people stay. We all kind of hang out and have that camaraderie. And I think that's where a lot of the trust comes from, too, is, you know, yeah. we're spending time with these guys and these lady anglers and stuff like that. So, you know, you, you build a good a good inner circle with them and, you know, you you're going to trust them. And, you know, one thing I, I push as far as judging, we judge we judge as fair as we hope to be judged ourselves. You know, right. um, when it comes down to that, we know it's money on the line. Uh, we don't play no games when it comes to our, our judging our fish. We judge fair fair. Um, if you come up and you show me a picture and I understand that sometimes you have to take a fish to the bank to score it out of a kayak. I've been there. Um, if you bring me a picture at the judge table and I can't see the kayak, I will ask you for proof. And as long as you can prove to me that the kayak's there, you just couldn't get it in the picture. We'll run with it. Which that's a pretty standard, you know, expectation across most kayak, um, tournament fishing scenes you know almost always the rule includes the kayak or at least some sort of proof you know there's a there's a few other things that kind of get mixed in there and i feel like a lot of the stuff kind of crosses over from from tournament to tournament and stuff like that it would almost be helpful if every kind of if everybody kind of worked together you know in the future maybe to try to come together with a, a general set of rules that everybody can follow that way you're not worried about accidentally breaking some rules over on this tournament if you're doubling up on this you know you're fishing multiple tournaments with identifiers and stuff like that you might not even think about it or realize that you're breaking a rule for a different tournament you know yeah. stuff like that so i don't know i mean but that's also kind of maybe an unrealistic you know expectation or thought because a lot of the, I, the, the biggest thing i think would come up is the number of rods that would be allowed to fish because some states are allowed to fish a lot more rods than other states. And I mean, that, we're causes, unli- that causes major problems with tournaments, man. Yeah. I mean, as far as North and South Carolina, you're pretty much unlimited. Yeah. I mean, See, and that, that wouldn't if, work. If your boat, can, if your state, boat, can, uh, hold, if your boat can hold it, you can fish it. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's where I think a lot of some of the struggle comes into and some of the stuff we deal with as a tournament directors and, and things like that. But you know, we do the best we can. To, that way, everybody can have fun and everybody can participate. So, yeah, at the end of the day, that's you know, I love the competitive side of things. You know, I, um, I think that's why I like being a tournament angler. Um, you know, I enjoy fun fishing. I mean, some of my best days are fun fishing, but I like the competitive side. I like being able to compete against somebody. I like, I like the challenges of you know, like I said, I fish multiple states. I've had to fish states where you can't use more than two rods. And, you know, I think as a as a diverse angler, you should be able to adapt. I mean, that's what it comes down to with any sport that you, any kind of fishing you get into, you should be able to adapt whatever regulations that you're going to fish. You know, I've fished, I've fished multiple states and everybody's rules difference as far as bait and stuff like that. So you, you struggle, Um, you know, like in South Carolina, we can buy gizzard shad. North Carolina, you can't. So if you want gizzard shed, you got to go catch them yourself. North Carolina, you can use crappy heads as long as you have the skeleton and striper fillets and heads as long as you have the skeleton of fish in your boat. South Carolina, you can't. North Carolina, you can use skipjack. South Carolina, you can't. 
So there's a lot of adaptations that you have to make as an angler to be able to fish legally in whatever state you're in. Yeah, and, and being a I tournament think, angler, you need to be aware of all that stuff too. Yeah, and I think as the sport progresses and we continue to grow, you know, Mike and Ryan, they have an amazing thing going. Um, I've kind of, you know, I've kind of watched from the background, you know, I, you know, I met Mike um, when he was fishing one of the original trails when it was being run from Tennessee and, you know, that's kind of where I met Mike before he started original scene, the, the regional scene and he got involved with all that. And, you know, what they have done to the sport is, I mean, it's phenomenal. I think, you know, they're, they're doing a lot. They push a lot of stuff, you know, um, a lot of kayak focus. They brought a lot of attention at these meetups and stuff with, and these conventions and stuff with kayak focus. And I think as the sport progresses over the years, I don't see how or why we can't come up with a fundamental set of rules for nationwide events or like month longs or stuff like that, that it can be in a grants for everybody, you know, without having to diverse it into regions or, you know, it's not fair. This guy's fishing 10 rods. I can only fish two. Well, okay. Well then, you know, maybe look at in the future of limiting that guy on, you know, be like, Hey, you know, I don't like to do this, but you know, if you're going to fish this event, we have to have some kind of set platform, six rods, four rods, something like that. I mean, I fish big boat events that are like that too. Some big clubs, some boat clubs don't even let you fish unlimited rods. They limit you on what you fish per angler. Like you can have four per angler or two per angler. And, you know, I like that because I mean, one, I typically fish two to four rods out of the river. When I fish live events, I'm usually dragging four. I never fish more than that. Um, the guys, some of the guys I fish with, like Timothy King in North Carolina, you know, he'll run 10 rods because he can. You know, that's, that's what he's allowed to run. He's going to run and he can fit them out of his Hobie. He's going to run them. Me, I am so unorganized. I run 10 rods. I'll tell you right now, I will have my self-hook, my anchor hook, my drift sock hook, my trolling motor hook, two fish hooked at the same time and not know what to do. I'm a mess. Um, See, my luck, even with 10 rods, I still wouldn't have a single fish hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, I don't think, I think when people look at that number of rods, you know, you know, kind of backtracking on that, you know, you got to understand is that even though that guy's running 10 rods, he might not have the same bite as you, even though you're using two. I mean, I bank, fish, I bank fish a lot and I have, I don't know how much you've seen of some of the bank fish I catch and stuff, but I catch monster fish off the bank on the same river. I kayak it. Yep. And I fish maybe three to four rods. If I have my son, I fish two just because watching a four year old and catfish rods at the same time can turn into a mess real quick. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I don't ever get out on a body of water fishing against somebody and think in my mind, be like, well, I can't beat this guy because he's doing this. And I think that it's a, it's a mental aspect, but I believe as the sport grows over the years, we can eventually come to an agreement on how we do things nationwide, how we do things per region. And, you know, if we're going to go state to state, we can, you know, like if you're fishing a state event, like you're fishing one of ours, you just follow our rules. That's it. I mean, I'm not pretty simple. Like if you're comfortable with fishing four rods, I'm not going to say, Hey, why don't you fish 10? You can, you wimp. No, you won't. If that's what you're comfortable with, fish with it. I do. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, the guy only fishing two rods might still be beating you, man. I think bait, 
bait personally i think bait placement is a little bit more key than having number of baits in in the water you could put 10 baits in the water but you might be in the wrong spot on the lake and you might not get a single fish to bite that bait because you didn't that's, put it in the right spot yeah and that, and that's exactly right and i mean you know running 10 rods you got to think you're running various sizes of baits you know you're running different stretches of water you're putting a lot of a lot of pressure in an area if you drag two pieces of bait that are five feet apart from each other and a fish in the middle now you're splitting the fish with two foot on two one side two foot on the other side you know that fish ain't gonna know what to do he's gonna look at that bait coming this way he's gonna look at that bait coming this way and he's gonna be like i want to eat that but i'm concerned <laughs> uh, but i mean hey, that's one way to think about it too i've never really thought about it like that honestly yeah. i mean i mean knowledge of the water Knowledge of the areas you're fishing is always key. Do do your homework. I I don't pre-fish. I will give you a little piece of, uh, you want to beat Jesse on any body of water? I don't pre-fish. <laughs> I believe I have what they call a pre-fishing curse. If I pre-fish, I will catch all the fish that I should have caught the day of. It happens every time. I will catch, you know, 30, 40-inch fish like crazy, and I'll go out there that day and can't catch nothing over 25 inches. Mm. happens to me every time so i have stopped pre-fishing what i do is i research the lake i will find youtube videos so there's a youtube video of everybody water in the united states i promise you right now there is it might not be the best video footage you've ever seen in your life but somebody has put a video out there it also the might not be the species either but it, it it'll but show you around can, the body of water that's exactly it is you can learn a lot from that google images you can change your Google images from what it looks like in the fall to what it looks like in the summertime, what it looks like in the springtime. And you can change your mapping on them lakes and you can really learn out what that layout looks like maybe in the season that you're fishing. And it's a huge thing. Me, I'm a visual guy. When I go to a body of water, I scope it out before I, before I drop a bait. Even at nighttime, I'm looking at bank structure. I'm watching that fish finder i'm going down through there i'm looking for different structures i'm looking for water changes i'm looking at the navionics i'll spend a week straight my wife hates to hear the words i don't think i'm gonna fish here i think i'm gonna change here you know i think i'm gonna do this i think i'm gonna do this my wife can tell you exactly what my plan is gonna be before i can go on the water because she hears it for a week straight because i am literally sitting on our couch during family times looking at navionics and different boat ramps and how far how far is this ramp from from this group of structure on Navionics, you think this is really there? You really think there's a submerged bridge here? You think it's just bluffing? I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. But I mean, I do. I put my research into the body of water I'm going to fish. Um, if there's a if there's moving water, I'll tell you where I'm going to be. <laughs> if it's a lake that has moving water. You're not going to find me on open water. You're going to find me on the moving side of it. I'm going to go to the river side of that lake, and I'm going to focus on them river fish because them river fish are more likely on bait faster than the lake fish. The bait will move up that moving water a lot quicker, and the moving water usually has a different water temperature than what the still water has. So moving water is usually a little bit warmer than still water. So I, I like to fish shallow. So I'm going shallow, I'm going to moving water, and I drag from lines in to lines out. I do more, yeah. I put more miles on that kayak than it was registered for. And giving that's away just all my the secrets, man. Just giving away all your secrets. Hey, I can give you all the secrets. Doesn't mean I'm going to give you the fish. 
That's right. You still got to go out and find them, right? Mm-hmm. Can't so, catch them from your house. Yo. Um, what got you in the kayak in the first place? Uh, well, I had got a kayak for free um, way back in the day. It was just this little cheeky uh, old town trip angler, little 10-foot trip angler, little sit-in kayak. Uh, a buddy of mine that I had met through working at a bar on um, had he was running river guides and he had one that was the hall was busted. He's like, I think you can fix this. I, you know, if you just plastic weld it, he said, if you want it, you can have it. I was like, cool. So I did that with him, went out there and fish. You know, at that point, I was still a cat fisherman. So, of course, my st- stupid self. Is going to try to take a cat rod out there and fish out this little tiny boat with a cat rod because you know what? Why not? I've always wanted to fish this body of water that we was going on. And I had the opportunity to fish it, just not the way I wanted to. And I mean, I think from there, there was just like this weird blossom of, you know what? I would rather do this all the time than fight the boat, the trailer, the gas, the double gas. Is my trolling motor batteries done? Is my sonar batteries done? And my, my cranking battery good? Did I check? Did I flush the, the water out of the lines before winter? Do I got to replace the lower end. You know, there was so much stuff to boats, and it was like, man, it was like there was always something wrong. But you know what? Never had any issues was that kayak I had sitting in the building. So, like, I'd get aggravated with the boat. I'd just take kayak to the river and we'd paddle, we'd paddle around. And like I said, it just started blossoming from there. And I mean, I just now I bank fish a little bit. I'll go out on boats with guys. I don't own a boat no more. I got a John boat. Uh, it's not mine. It's my brother's John boat sitting here, but it doesn't run. Mm-hmm. But I use the kayak, man. I just I don't know. I just I fell in love with it and it's become my thing. You know, this is my thing to do is I love kayak fishing. I think the one on one connection you get with the area that you fish. Is a lot bigger than riding around the lake for 10 hours to maybe fish for three you know and with a kayak you're kind of limited you you really limit yourself if you're going to be an angler and you're going to consider yourself amongst them elites you know you really start looking at you know downsizing your equipment downsizing your setups you know um downsizing your trip times and it it makes you, I think, a little bit better of an angler in a, in a sense that you're able to do and perf- outperform guys that's fishing out of a $70,000 setup with a 3D image or a live scope and all that, and you're going out here with just the basics and you're catching the same quality fish that they are. I think it makes you a really, a really successful angler, and it connects you more on, man. There is nothing like catching a catfish out of a kayak. Nothing, nothing. like it. Absolutely nothing. Nothing like it. I have caught tons of catfish out of boats. I have caught tons of catfish off the bank. But that one-on-one fight out of a kayak, and you know this just from, you know, your PBs alone, is the amount of effort and energy that it takes to get that fish and that high that you get from catching that fish out of that kayak, dude, you you can't replace that with anything. Man, not even just the PBs, dude. I'll take I'll take a fight with a freaking eight pound panel exactly. on the kayak all day over bank. Oh fishing, yeah, you know. Oh yeah. So it's, it's it doesn't even have to be the. It, it honestly was the first 
first catfish that I hooked into and kind of spun me around a little bit. You know what I mean? So, oh yeah, definitely. When people say, and I know you can't really explain the experience, you kind of just have to go out and feel it for yourself. But there's definitely nothing like it. And that's yeah, everybody I mean, I've had it's... on the show will say the same thing. There's nothing like catching a catfish from a plastic boat, it, so to speak, plastic boat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing like it. It's the fight is completely different. Um. I mean, it, it's it's challenging, and then and then being you know being able to successfully land that fish on top of that, man, it's. I mean, I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things, man. I I love kayak fishing. I probably do it until I can't walk no more. Yeah. And then I try to get lazier and put a trolling motor, even better trolling motor, on my boat. Then put a jet motor on it or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I start getting into that new canoe uh, two point two motor that everybody runs. Yeah, the two point five Honda or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about all that, but you know, to, again, well, everybody again, it's 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 about what you you know what you expect yeah. to get out of your platform and what you're trying to do with the situation. So, for me, but that would, I, I just don't see that being a, a a great option, especially with having to run so much gas. But like like I'm saying here in Nebraska, the water bodies of water that I'm able to fish compared to where other people are with that 2.5 and run certain sets of miles to get to certain you know, by, uh, areas that they want to fish and stuff like that, you know, so. I don't know. And I mean, I hate, I hate to be that guy, but I mean, if you're taking it to that extreme, just buy a boat. <laughs> I hate to be that guy, pretty, but it's pretty, pretty I'm, close. I'm a diehard kayak guy. You know, I still fish events that they don't even let you allow electric motors in. I mean, we yeah. do, yeah. but there's still events that don't allow electric motors because, you know, the whole point uh, is a personal watercraft. The whole right. point of it is supposed to be a manpower watercraft. Yep. And I like that. But I also understand the differences between anglers and some guys just aren't built to, you know, get out there and paddle for a full day or pedal for for a full day on a body yeah. of water. It's it's exhausting. Well, our our uh, our um, tournament series was for the first year was paddle only. But with the advances with, you know, everything and, you know, technology wise and electronic wise, all the advances and stuff nowadays. Um, even with just kayaks or and, and stuff like that like we had to keep up and it also felt like it was maybe hurting our participation a little bit so we yeah. kind of transitioned over to allowing the electrical propulsion but still no no gas motors were allowed yeah. in our series you um, guys get the the random like gas motor guys like oh i would fish if if you would let gas motors well, I've, I, I've had, I with had a few that. of them over the years and i've tried nah. to explain to them like look you have an electric motor just just use it like i'm okay for my events if like that week you come up early or something and you want to use your gas motor to scout 100 percent okay with that yeah i, no, ours, I never heard scouting that with from, a gas motor i never had any issues with anybody saying that also though like here in nebraska our specifically especially with the kayak catfishing scene our scene is very small here so the whole point of me even starting the tournament series when i did was to was to grow the scene specifically for Nebraska, and that's why I didn't open it up to national level because I did. I had more so guys, you know, questioning me about why I'm not opening it up to a, a national level scene than than why I'm not allowing motors yeah, or anything like that. It was more I so get that. like, you know, but for me it was, you know, I was trying to grow the scene specifically in our state for one, and for two, I started out fishing in the TCKA stuff. Uh, several years ago and i was getting my ass kicked by all you guys you know and i and that yeah, was before i could catch any that's kind of where i got my uprise too man i was catching like 
you know, I was competing in the in the um, 24 hour tournaments, you know, putting up like 28 inch channels trying to compete with you guys. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I kind of I kind of got I like that's where I kind of got my start in the in the catfish side of things. There was a local guy here that was running like once a month. It was like one catfish a month thing. And then I guess just being directors for him, he had met the TCKA and, um, you know, he was trying to bring in national guys and he was like, Hey, look, there's this guy in South Carolina. A lot of, a lot of people don't know who he is, but some people do. Uh, but he's pretty good. He's like the world's okay. as catfisherman. You should probably talk to him. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so that's kind of how I got into it too. And I'm not going to lie. When I first got in and started competing, like I, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I, I was coming in and I could see some of the names on there and I knew some of them like from before, you know, like Van Hughes and King and, and JJ. And, you know, I, I, I knew some of them guys and I was like, man, I really just don't know. Like I'm pretty good, but like, I, you know, when you're talking about elites, like these guys are elites. Yeah. There's definitely, and, there's definitely a learning curve, man. Uh, when you're starting to do the kayak catfishing scene, so. Yeah, for sure. How many trips a year would you say that you take? And then, you know, on average, how long do you think your trips are? Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I spend between banking and kayaking, I would say out of a month, I probably average about a week and a half total of different trips that I take either on the weekends. Most of the time, you know, I work Monday through Friday. Um, so most of the times we'll do little river trips on Saturdays or, you know, with the live events, you know, I'll fish Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, but throughout the week, sometimes depending on what time I get off work. Um, I mean, I will go out for like, you know, three or four hours here or there. I mean, my average trip, if I'm going to do a river trip, my average is about eight to 12 hours on the river. Um, as long as I'm not fishing a, an event, um, you're looking at eight to 12 hours on a river trip, you know, and that's frequent stops and stuff like that. It might not be all collective fishing or whatnot. Um, but, you know, a lot of my little bank fishing adventures and stuff like that usually average about four four and a half hours i mean i really don't spend a whole lot of time on the water i spend a good bit as much as i can um but you know i i have a pretty good you know fishing work and life balance that i try to keep so i mean it it varies it really does yeah um so i know that you do a little bit of traveling for your fishing especially for the you know the in-person tournaments and stuff like that um and then you probably have some local waters that you probably, you know, frequent, I would say, would be a good way to put it or whatever. But how does preparing for going, you know, on one of your long distance travel and fishing trips compared to staying local? Uh, a lot less stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as traveling, I try to if I'm going solo, not taking the family with me, I try to stay. I try to stay pretty simple, take the fishing gear I need. Um, you know, which I'm the, you know, I am the director of the event. So I, I have sponsors for the event. So I take the product that's given away for the raffle prizes. Um, I take that with me and most of the time I will sleep in the truck at boat ramps. Um, but the last few years, 
I've really focused on trying to get with people at campgrounds and, you know, we'll go, I'll either tent camp or like uh, the Gaston event, the last event we fished, we got a, I got a cabin, uh, which I mean, really expense wise, wasn't much more than taking a tent and everything else. Um, but I live 25 minutes from the river that I, that I frequent um, to where I launch and take out, you're looking 25, 30 minutes from my house. Um, I have Lake Wiley, which splits North and South Carolina, depending on where I want to fish on that lake. If I want to fish the lake, you're looking anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes. Um, lake Watery, which is where our event is this weekend, is 45 minutes to an hour away, depending on which side of the lake you go to. Um, so, I mean, it, it just depends on the fishing I'm doing. I When I'm doing a lot of river fishing, I try to just pack light, you know, simplify everything down to the bare minimums i pre-tie all my rigs so all my rigs are pre-tied so if i break off i have my free lines already done because i use 60 pound leader a swivel and a hook that's it for my free lines i have my santee rigs done up i have my demon dragon santee style rigs done up you know i try to keep as many pre-tied rigs as i can so that way i don't have to carry like a whole box of hooks, a whole box of floats, a whole bag of this, a whole bag of that. You know, I have a small pack of hook, like a small box of different size hooks and swivels, beads, stuff like that, that I need with, you know, a few floats here and there. If I need to retie a whole rig, I can retie a whole rig. Um, if I get on the fish and I'm thinking, you know, running a 10 or 12 odd hook is too much and the bite is doing better with, you know, seven to eight odd hooks, I can switch up right there on the water. I have what I need to switch, but I, I don't overdo it. I don't carry 50 pounds of lead. I don't do none of that. Um, I try to simplify down as much as I can. Um, now that's just, you know, for fun trips. Now for, for main lake events, I try to carry enough lead that if I break off three times, I can replace it. Um, you know, I use Drifting Sticks, which is a local company here in South Carolina, you know, pretty popular nationwide, I think. I think they've done made their mark everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I use Drifting Sticks for my dragging and drifting. So when it comes to live events with them, I have a whole bundle rubber band up that I keep in the nose of my kayak of four ounce. 2.75 and and uh, I was gonna say four pounds of four pounds of weight just sitting up there in the nose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I I got it in case I break it off. You know, I, right. I got them dragon weights because that's you know dragging and drifting are some of the biggest keys to open water that I have for success. So I want to make sure I have them, but also we'll do some anchor fishing. So I want to make sure that I have some lead stowed away somewhere to where if I want to anchor fish up, I have three, four, five about as heavy as i really go is six ounces i know a lot of people like eights and tens and stuff i don't i like lighter weight i mean even when the river's up i just want enough lead to keep that bait on the bottom yeah if it's barely touching the bottom that's perfect yeah i mean i don't need 12 ounces of weight to, to hold a piece of bait down if it's to that point i might need to rethink of where i'm fishing yeah but I don't you have know, anything I, where I got to fish over probably six or whatever. But also, on like I said, on that on that river that I fish, that's a little bit more shallow and faster or whatever. Six six, in, six ounce weights aren't necessarily holding me on the bottom. It's just because where I'm positioned might will 
keep my bait where I want it to be. Doesn't necessarily mean that I'm pinned though. But yeah, and, you know, I it's, mean, it's, it's giving me the motion that I want or whatever. So I can agree, you know, I can relate and agree to you than not having like an eight to 12 ounce lead to try to like pin my bait down in the bottom of a current seam or something like that. Yeah. But well, fishing rocks and structure and stuff like that too, that lead can become a bear. Yeah. I mean, it can be, it can be more problematic than it could be to lead and success for fish, honestly. I, I definitely mean, you, have some areas I know that if I'm going there to fish, I'm going to be losing that way. And so when I actually tie up for those, I, I do rig up slightly different. I almost even sometimes I'll even almost go like on a three way swivel setup or um, forget what the swivel's called, but it's like two swivels together uh, on the yeah. loop or whatever. Yeah, it's three way. You got your three way bump in, your original three way, and then like your interlock three way, which are like the two swivels together. Yeah, the interlock that's what three I way. Use a lot. I like the three way bumping swivels. I really do. I'm a, I, I like three way swivels, and that's the same way I run my drags. I don't run um the, the line slides. Yeah. No, I don't. I guess it depends on the river that I'm fishing. If I'm fishing a little bit more of a slack river, that well, like it, it depends because the river, one of the rivers that I fish has a lot of slack water, real slow in it. But then we get up on some spots where the water, you know, it starts ripping pretty good through there, you know, through through a mile or two stretch of it or whatever. And I want to be able to change out my weights pretty quick. So, but I found a guy locally that makes those slides or whatever that are pretty heavy duty and that will stay yeah. on there, even on the braided line and everything. They won't get cut through the plastic and stuff like that. So. Yeah. I think the I, only I time it. you really see me running a line slide is if I'm running live bait. And it sounds crazy, but the ideal behind it is when that bait slacks and swims, it pulls the whole line instead of just pulling on the swivel. Because that fish, sometimes bait fish will pull themselves off as hard as they kick to mm -hmm. get off of that hook. No, so yeah. if I'm running a live bait situation and low current, or no current, then I will run a line slide for that. But I usually just just so you that know, you can have main line to your bait. Then basically, yeah, yeah, and it's just basically kind of just a leader and swivel, no float, no Santee style yeah. rig. It's that original kind of you know Carolina rig style. You know, are you running braid with... for your main line then? No, no. Okay. I'm a mono. I'm a mono guy, man. I just switched from thirty pound to forty pound after I caught that hundred pound fish. Wow. I only that's that that hundred and nine pound fish was caught on thirty pound slime line. Wow, dude! Man, and a sixty pound. I use um making me feel like I got way overkill going on, but you <laughs> no, know, like no, I don't swear, worry, man. man like, I know some of the water and stuff that, that I run, fish. Like I know the, a lot of guys that run eighty to hundred pound braid because that's they won't want that stretch. I like the stretch. The stretch see, can become like the your stretch, friend. But the thing I run into is um, we have a lot of debris and structure that we're fishing on and. So I, I like having my braid for my main line, but I do I do like the little bit of buoyancy and the minimal stretch. So I run a mono leader to have yeah. that, you know, to make up for that or whatever. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, fishing out of the kayak, we have a little bit of leeway and give when a fit, you know, when we're fighting fish and when a fish hits. So for for me, that little bit of extra stretch. I don't know if it makes a difference in real life, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'd have to I mean, really, I don't, you know, I don't the really science or whatever. I think it's just a preference more than it anything. It really is, man. It's figuring out what works for you. And right now I prefer to, especially with the amount of wood that I run into fishing against it. You know, I like running bread for myself. Um, and yeah. just based on what, you know, every, like you're saying, everybody runs different, you know, uh, weight line and everything like that. But 
Jeez. There for a while when I was fishing the river real heavy, I tried to switch to braid. Um, because a friend of mine, that's what he fishes with is braid. And I was like, man, I like how strong, you know, he can pull up things that I can't pull up with my mono. Um, but what I run into with the river system I fish is sharp rocks. And right, that'll cut those, you right off with the braid. Yeah. yeah. For those of you that don't know the difference between braid and mono, mono is a lot more abrasion resistant than braid is. So when you have high tension on a braided line, it doesn't matter if it's a if it's 20 pounds or 150 pounds, when you have tension on that line and it hits something sharp, twang, gone. Yep. Where with mono, you can get a little bit of abrasion. You might tear your line all up and you're going to have to cut that out and retie. Mm-hmm. But at least it can still fight through the fish and the rocks. And I mean, that's, I think that's kind of where I got away from that um, braided line. Yeah. I do like braided line because you can fit a lot more of it. If you're yeah. a long line dragger or a drifter, you can get a lot more braided line on a reel than you can mono. But, you know, you just got to be, you know, kind of aware of where you're fishing when it comes to that. I yeah. hate to see somebody hook into a, their best fish and twing a rock or a piece of rusted metal that got washed down river and lose it because the braid just couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. And see, that's it. I mean, that's always a possibility that I risk, but like, I feel, like I said, I feel like I fish a lot more stuff that has a lot more wood in it. And I do, I do understand that that braid does dig in or whatever like that. But um, in my head, the way it works out <laughs> anyways, is that, you know, like I, I have a better chance with my braid, um, and being able to fight that fish out of the, the pile of wood or the tree branch or whatever is going on. Um, even though it digs in a little bit, I got a little bit of um, leeway, especially running such a, you know, so much higher of a poundage. Cause I think I'm running like 60 pound braid right now on my yeah. stuff. And, and having yeah, that I mean, little bit of extra toughness, you know, I'm able to fight him out of, even when he goes down in to try to hide in that brush pile, I can kind of fight back a little bit and horse him just a little bit to get him out, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, Hundred percent. My my frogging rods for bass fishing. I don't like to switch. I don't like to talk about ditch pickles, but my <laughs> frogging rods, my frogging rods that I use for bass fishing, I run eighty pound braid. Why? Yeah. Because there's no stretch when yeah. that instant when that instant bite happens and then brush piles are up yeah. in a grass bed. I want to be able to snatch that braided line and basically cut that because yeah, it'll cut through, it'll cut through too. some stuff, boy. And mm-hmm. you can set that hook instantly over fishing with like a 20 pound fluorocarbon or something it's a lot more buoyant you might not get the good hook set on a quick bite in a lily yeah. pads or something like that because there's so much stretch between you and the fish and i mean i like i said i have my reasoning for running braid and i have a reasoning for don't free lining yeah. with braid free lining for braid down here will ruin your day well braid doesn't float so yeah, you know, you're, you're free. It's going to be counterproductive for you free lining a little bit. I mean, not not to say that it's like you're throwing a lead weight in the water, but it doesn't yeah. it doesn't necessarily float. So it's not going to react the same as when you're free lining with mono. So, yeah. All right. So Jesse and I got a little long winded, so I had to split the show into two episodes. So be looking for part two coming soon. Don't forget to go and answer the question in the show notes to interact with us here on the show, or you can come and find the Kayaking and Catfish Roundtable on Facebook to, go, to give me some feedback, suggest show topics, or just be a part of the roundtable discussion. 
Thanks for the support and listening for the show. Stay tuned for the next episode.